Hey, and welcome to the Rally Podcast. We're stoked that you're here. We hope that this would be a tool to help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Good day and welcome to another Rally Roundtable. I am sat here for part two of our conversation around mental health with none other than Jake and Suzanne Beatty. Jake gets to serve as our staff health pastor at New Spring Church. That means I've been in Jake's office a lot. You know, he's, <laughs> he's seen a lot of things. He's, he's a great man of God, and this truly is his better half, Suzanne. Um, and I just want to start and say, you guys pastor as a couple better than almost anyone I think I've ever met. Mm. They, like... Uh, their home is such an open space. I know if something was was wrong, I could just show up and they're gonna welcome me in and care for me. And so you guys set the tone for that. And and as we continue to talk about mental health today, I'm stoked to hear from these guys, even through some of that context. So, but before we get going, what else do we need to know about you guys? We've been married for 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, this year. This year, mm-hmm. we have two kids. Yeah, we have a, my son Peyton actually will be in rally next year. He's almost 18. And then our daughter Lauren is right behind him. She is almost 16. So, two driving. Amazing. Yeah. So, and you've been married for 20 years, and how long have you guys been a part of New Spring? 20 years. 20 years, yeah. How about that? We showed up the week after we got married, yeah. after we got back from our honeymoon. That is amazing. So, you guys have really, really, you know, in, in a lot of spaces, uh, you're still like in the middle of the age demographic, but for us, we were joking about before, like, you guys are like the OGs, like you guys are, you know, the, 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 you know, the old school, but really, you guys are still pioneering so many yeah. things for us, so thank you for being here today. And so, could you just kick us off by talking about how has mental health and talking about mental health and your personal mental health changed and journeyed from even that 20 years ago to now and what has that been like for you as a couple and individuals, I guess, at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, uh, I think I went first as far as acknowledging uh, something was wrong. You know, I think it's, I think there is sometimes a stigma with the, the words mental health, but I think it's just um, being aware uh, and in touch with what you're feeling and what you're experiencing in your body if something's wrong and then paying attention to it um, and asking for help. Um, and so I think, you know, our journey, uh, you know, we grew up at New Spring and things happened so fast and there was just a lot that, you know, was unknown. and. Um, for me, honestly, mental health, you know, my my uh, experience honestly was depression, uh, which manifested uh, after about seven years of just wow. unforgiveness and undealt with uh, offense and hurt in my own life. And so, uh, you know, I brought that to to my husband uh, and basically just was a desperate attempt to get help. It's like, I need help, I need to talk to someone. And so uh, I kind of went first in that and went, yeah started a very intensive um, months of counseling and it was honestly life-changing for me. Um, and I think uh, letting God touch some areas in my life, things I didn't even realize were there. Um, and I think I began to change so much that maybe your eyes were open to yes. following. Yeah. Um, my journey with it is we graduated college one weekend, we got married the next. Uh, we had no clue what we were doing being married. We got married in our very early 20s. Um, <clears throat> from there, stepping into both of us figuring out career. And so for me, stepping into ministry as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, mm-hmm. um, launching into that, feeling this need to prove something, to prove that I was good enough, to prove that I was worthy. Um, career became everything in proving that 
hey, I got what it takes, which a lot of young men and women struggle with. Um, And then we had two kids in the meantime also. So the way I would describe my mental health journey and all of that is Jesus talks about in Mark 8, he said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. So in church world, we teach that as a heaven and hell thing. Well, you can get all the stuff in this world has to offer and you can still go to hell. Jesus wasn't talking about hell. Jesus was talking about what does it actually benefit you if you take in the lies that this world promises will do it for you and at the end of that, you see yourself just disintegrated from the inside out to where you actually lack the true definition of integrity is that your inside life doesn't match your outside life and that was where I ended up. I cared way more about people thinking that I was a good pastor than actually just being one. Mm -hmm. I cared way more about people thinking that I was a good husband and a dad than actually just being one Mm -hmm. and when reality collided with my fantasy, I was at a crossroads of, okay, my world is crumbling from the inside. Uh, Our marriage was not in a good place. And it's, so what do you do? And yes, like Mm -hmm. Sue said, she went first and all that and went on a journey. And when I watched God start healing her through that counseling journey and through not just a counselor, but many advisors speaking in and helping us along the way and understanding There was so long that I felt the need for everything to be private and I couldn't let anyone see that I had any problems or anything that was broken inside of me. Mm -hmm. But watching her go first and then actually it was one of the scariest things I ever did was pick up a phone and call a counselor a couple of years after her and be like, okay, I got problems. I actually need to talk through those things. But stepping into that place of vulnerability and letting wiser, older people speak into that journey, I think saved our marriage. And it definitely, I mean, to speak to what Jesus said right here, I didn't have to lose my life, everything that God was promising and wanting to do in me. He was actually able to fulfill it, but only through walking through that journey of brokenness toward healing. Yeah. Wow, so you guys are going through two things that are unique to you as individuals, but also in marriage, we know that you're one, and so you're there for each other in that. And so I'm curious, Jake, could you speak more to like, when Suzanne first comes to you and you, it sounds like there was a catalyzing event maybe for both of you, maybe not a specific thing, but there's a moment where you're like, you realize that something wasn't right, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're saying that happened for you first, went first, which is amazing. And so when, when your wife comes to you, and you're supposed to have the answers to this kind of stuff, like you're a pastor, like what was that like for you and what did you do and what lessons did you learn in that initial uh, situation? When she came to me, it was deflating. Uh, it was also kind of this aha moment of these thing, this place of intimacy for lack of any other word that's going to make sense right. there, of us being that real with where both of us were. Yeah. There is a freedom and a release that comes from, all right, we've put it all out on the table and this is what you're struggling with, this is what I'm struggling with, um, and we got a choice at this point. Are we gonna move forward and are we gonna figure out what it is to be healthy or are we just gonna point fingers at each other from a relational standpoint mm. and say, well, my brokenness is your fault, which is mm. welcome right. to the garden and Adam and so Eve. And it's so easy to do, it's so easy yep. to put that on the other person and, and not look inward because you know sometimes it's scary what's there, what's wrong, what's wrong with me, what's inside that is broken, needs to be fixed, needs to be healed. Um, there's a relief in, I think, I know for me, I got so tired of the pretending. I was over it. 
I just wanted real. I just wanted mm -hmm. real. And um, as as hard as it was to finally just open up and say, I'm not okay, um, there was a relief that came with just being honest. Mm -hmm. And now we're saying hard things, but we're saying honest things. Mm -hmm. And that alone created an intimacy of like, I'm going to let you really know me and let you really know, you know, what's going on and vice versa. So it actually built intimacy. So yes. good. So how... You know, most of the people that are listening to this might might not be married. Sure. Okay? So I'm curious, what would you guys say to, and even from beyond, you know, the initial uh, conversation with the person you're married to, who and what is the right way to bring people into your situation? Mm. If you know you're struggling, you know something's yeah. going on, um, you know, one of the questions that we got in from, from Instagram is like, is mental health a private issue or is it something that you should talk about with people. And it seems like there's maybe a bit of a nuance to that. Could you speak to that, Suze? Yeah, sure. Uh, I meet with a lot of people who um, they are starting to isolate. They're starting to um, feel like something's wrong, not know what it is. And I think that's one of the first signs is when you, you sort of tuck in and go inward. Um, that's, that's a, that's, that should be kind of a red light that says you need to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I've seen it countless times in the past 20 years, the relief that comes out of just saying, something's off, something's wrong, I need help. Um, it's, it's amazing, before you even dive into anything, the relief that you physically can see in someone when they just start talking. Because mm. uh, it, we're never meant to do this alone. We're not meant to you know, keep cycles of thought constantly and, and get in our head and all of that. When there's many people available you know, around you who want to help and want to even just be a listening ear, you know? Um, I think I, could, so I think I could have said that better. No, that was beautiful. <laughs> Seriously, thank you. Um, Jake, <clears throat> anything you'd want to add to that? Yeah, so to go back to the question, um, is mental health a private issue? My answer to that would be yes and no. <clears throat> it is a personal issue, yeah. and what that means is you get to choose who you share it with, and not everybody is safe. Yep. And not everyone has earned the place of trust in your life for you to share those things with. Now, if you say it to everyone, yeah. I don't think that that's wise either. But what I would say is that mental health is a team sport. Um, you are not going to resolve some of the things that you are working through on your own. God did not design it that way. He designed us to live in community. Yeah. So whether that's with your spouse or if we're talking to young adults in this, if that is some trusted people, make sure that that's someone who loves Jesus, who loves you, um, who has earned a place of trust in your life. And then if you actually wanna step into the fullness of what your mental health can be, you have to live a painfully transparent life yes. with people who are trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So good. There's so much of a, a both end situation. Situation, yeah. right? Because, right. you know, like, and the reality is we're talking about mental health because everyone has a mental health, right? Yeah. Everyone right. has a That's mind right. and a brain and all these sorts of things. And, and we compartmentalize different areas of our life and say, oh, I'm healthy here, so look at this. And that's the only part we want to show. And so we even trick ourselves into that, right? right? But then, so the mind and, and, and all the things going on inside is just another part of the whole picture for us. And that's why we have to let those people in, but it yeah. isn't something that we should broadcast to everybody. Yes. And I, I love the way that, that you said that. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that, that we get so many questions about is, okay, so we can understand this on a really humanistic level, but like what, where does the spiritual come into this? Is there demonic oppression involved in these mm. things? Did God, is God testing us? I mean, there's a million different ways I could ask that mm. question, but what would, how would you connect the dots between um, specifically a mental health struggle mm -hmm. and 
God in, mm-hmm. in what's going on in that relationship for, for an individual. Yeah, I feel like I can, I can speak to that. I think a lot of times it looks like a behavioral thing on the outside. So for me, I was a young mom, my kids were small, and I was starting to get, I was starting to be angry, and it came out in the way that I would uh, respond or react to them, and I just didn't feel like myself, and I, I, I behaviorally, I was just, I was at, on edge, I was uh, defensive and, and, and argumentative and almost like picking a fight, and it, it just showed, there was just this aggression and this anger building, and you know, after a while, I mean, the body keeps the score, you can't hide it after it starts exposing itself. And uh, I just remember waking up one day and feeling like something is seriously wrong, and uh, I started having even Suicidal thoughts is a strong, I mean, I, I guess it was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. God, you have to heal me. And so um, uh, me starting to talk and, and go get help, uh, the person that I, the people that I met with helped me understand uh, that it originated with an offense and um, that an offense, something that happened to me that I didn't like, and I ter- interpreted it poorly uh, as God, you know, punishing me or whatever. So there's that. Um, once I was given help with like forgiving and repenting and changing my mindset and and really grasping the heart of God for me and how He views uh, all of these things, it 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 totally changed me. I mean, it just it totally changed me. So, I would say in my life, uh, through repentance and through forgiving and dealing with, you know, the things that led up. Um, I, I was awakened in the spirit. I felt ministered to by the Lord, and I definitely think there was deliverance. And no one called it that. There weren't, you know, no no one said like, okay, we're gonna. But I was delivered of oppression that I had agreed with and not even realized yeah, it. People think about maybe like the demonic as yeah. like something screeching and jumping sure. out of our body, but we know that it can it looks way more like yes. little inches that we give the enemy in yes. our life, right? So you would say that definitely we need to attribute you know, the spiritual yeah. to these things, because it is all connected. Sure. Everything is spiritual in a sense. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to, because I think one of the things that I hear with mental health or conversations around things about maybe going to counseling is mm-hmm. like, oh, to have some guy talk about how my daddy didn't, you know, throw the ball with me. And so that's <laughs> yeah. somehow is why I'm, and people kind of joke about it, right. that there's maybe these memories or past events that, are connected to how you are today. And I think that that almost feels like a scapegoat for people sometimes, but what would you say to maybe the legitimacy of those things and how have you seen those things help you um, in your life? Yeah, um, I was that guy. Uh, I think just to speak to that directly and it was, man, I don't wanna blame this on anything from the past. My issues are my issues, they're things, yeah, there's things I need to figure out, there's things I need to work through. But the problem with deception is how do you know you're being deceived by something or a other language believing a lie? Yeah. You don't or you wouldn't let yourself be, <laughs> okay? So stepping into the truth of what has happened to us our entire lives in a mental health journey, everyone has some level of mental health. It might be good, it might be bad, but there's no finish line to right. that. So we're always trying to move toward health and wholeness. So we gotta go back and look at the places that we got stuck. And so the first time I stepped into counseling, I was in my late 20s. And I just remember some of the memories that God was bringing up of places where I got stuck. And I remember saying to my counselor, that, that's just not a big deal. Mm. But I was crying while I was talking right. about it. Something hiding and so there was something that. inside, yeah. yeah, in all of that. And the thing that he said to me that set me free is he said, 
that's not a big deal to a 29 year old. He said, that was a huge deal to a six year old. Mm -hmm. And you have to go back and you have to take that place that you were stuck because there were lies that you believed. So it's like a pebble in a pond, okay, is the illustration I would give. You throw the rock in the water, it's not just the initial impact, it is the ripple effects of what comes out. And so to deal with those ripple effects, you gotta go back to some of those things and say, okay, how did that affect me? And not this, you know, becoming a victim in any way to it, but it is a, hang on, I believed lies about myself, I believe lies about God, I believe lies about the way that the world works in those moments. But if I can go back to those places and understand that I had a heavenly father who was there, he has compassion for it, he saw every bit of what happened, but he also wants to speak life and truth to his perspective on that, then I actually get to make a choice for the first time what I believe about that event. Because if I wanna believe the perspective that I've had my whole life, then I can stay stuck or I can actually, the true version of biblical repentance, I can change my mind and say, mm-hmm. I wanna think about that in a different way, and if God has a healthier perspective on that, I am yeah. choose to step into that. That's so and there's good, freedom dude. on the other end That's of that. So good. That's so good. Uh, anything you wanna add yeah, to that I, point? Yeah, I just, you know, I'm thinking back to like, the, you know, you're talking, we were in our mid-20s, so that's rally age, you know, it's like, I wish so badly that it didn't have to happen when I was married. It's like, you know, because it took us so many years in our marriage before we got real with this kind of stuff, and it's like, many times we've said, gosh, I wish it, you know, I wish I had had this early on and hadn't brought this into marriage, and that's just our story, and God has used that, and not only healed, but redeemed, and we minister out of that now, clearly, but, um, you know, it, it's interesting, neither one of us really knew who we were when we got married, and so we bring all this stuff into marriage, then God begins to expose and reveal, and then He heals, and it was like reintroducing ourselves to each other because uh, once all this stuff was out of the way, it was like, oh my gosh, this is who I am, and I was free, and I was filled with the Spirit, and I was alive in a new way, and it was like, oh my gosh, like, it, it, you know, not that my personality changed, but these people, uh, behaviors and defenses that I had picked up just dropped. And uh, that, it was in some ways strange, but relieving, but uh, yeah, like reintroducing ourselves to each other and having to learn how to function out of this new place, you know, and yeah. uh, being friends again. Yeah, so don't, you know, don't wait, right? And and, I, wait. and and on the other side of things, I think, how how can somebody who's listening to this or watching this, they're, they're listening and they're thinking about their own situation, their own state of their mental health. How do they know if they need to get help or if something's wrong or, because I think one kind of person would have a tendency to maybe look too deep into things and think, oh, every single thing right, is right. Like, like wrong with me and this could right. cause like some kind of, and then on the other end, people might just be like, oh yes, whatever, that's yeah. silly. You know, how, how can people from maybe both ends of that spectrum appropriately steward their mental health? That's great. That's a great question. Um, I would say there are two reasons that you go to a doctor. You go to a doctor when things are really bad, which is what especially most men do. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, when things are um, really bad. <laughs> or you can go to a doctor and get some checkups along the That's way. Uh, so when it comes to stepping in and actually dealing with issues, like what are the signs that you know something's off and you maybe need some help? and. I would say that's as unique as a person is unique, but here's what I would say. Everyone, if if you would just ask yourself the question, am I in a good and healthy place right now? Am I walking in wholeness? Jesus promised that I could have life and have it to the full. Is that my current experience of what I know that God has promised me, 
or is there something missing? I would say it's time to let some other people into the journey and let them speak in. So I think two things in particular speak to a necessity for it being an urgent season to step into that. Number one is if you're numb, and people say, well, how do I know if I'm numb? <laughs> you're, you're numb, you're not feeling a whole lot, you do not have highs or lows, and there's reasons for that. You're trying to protect yourself from those emotions, from things that maybe you've labeled as negative emotions. Mm -hmm. I would declare that emotions are not positive or negative. Uh, what you do with emotions are positive or negative. Um, so if you are not allowing yourself to have a full emotional experience, like not, not saying out of control, but you're letting yourself feel joy. You're letting yourself feel sad and not having unwritten rules internally that mm -hmm. you, sh you shouldn't feel certain things. No, feel what you feel, but don't stay stuck there. Right. Deal with your emotions in a positive way. The other thing I would say if it is going on that you definitely need some help with is that you're getting triggered by things. So here's what I mean by trigger. So if Austin and I are having a conversation and Austin says something to me that hurts my feelings and all of a sudden I'm raging and I can't hold that in. I don't think this has happened between us. So we're just, just saying the other way. The other way around. <laughs> something and um, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I've gotten triggered by something. In other words, I am responding with more emotion than what the current circumstance is necessitating. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a illustration of, no, there's something deeper there that this situation reminded me of and that emotion, because your emotion doesn't just disappear. If you don't deal with it, if you don't express it, let yourself feel it, you're bottling it up. And so you shake up that soda bottle long enough, yeah. every once in a while the top's gonna come off and something's gonna explode and guess who it's gonna explode on, because here's our story. It's gonna explode on the people that you love the most right. and who are closest to you. And so if you are experiencing moments where you're being triggered and you're seeing that rush of emotion that yeah. you're looking back and it's like, yeah, I kind of overreacted to that and wait a minute, I might do that on a very regular basis. Yeah, yeah. It's time to go look at what some of those triggers are that are so causing good. some That's of that emotional so pain. Jake, tell me about the crayons. <clears throat> because <laughs> I've heard Jake talk about yeah. emotions before and I thought this was such a great illustration. Would you give us like the 60 second version? I can, I don't have my crayons with me. 64. Um, yeah, yeah this, is, this is an illustration. I like having my visual illustration because it helps explain this. Next so when, time. When we first got married and when we were talking about the journey that we were on, I was the guy who just said, I don't have a lot of emotions. Like I'm angry, sad, uh, happy every once in a while, hungry. I think hungry yeah. might have been the other one that I had in there as an emotion. Um, but the rest of them felt very foreign to me. And the illustration that God gave me and helped me to understand this, because the way I would describe people to Suzanne, so if emotions are crayons, okay, I felt like God had shortchanged me. I felt like I was the guy who had the, is a six pack, I guess, of the basic red, green, yellow. Yeah, right blue, maybe a black in there, I don't know. Roy G. Biv. Yeah, Roy yeah, G. Biv, there we go. And I felt like Suze, God had created her, she was the Crayola 64 pack with the sharpener on the back. <laughs> Always knew exactly what she felt, you know, and God had to reveal to me one day, because it was this, well, I'm just stunted and I'm broken and she's got a better perspective of emotions. And there was a partial truth in that. Sure. But the truth is, is that God had to reveal to my heart and fix that lie and say, no, you have the same amount of emotions that she did. I have created you the same. You are an emotional being because I'm an emotional being and you're created in my image. That's why we have emotions. So and so what God helped me to understand is if I don't know what magenta is 
and I've never pulled it out of the box and yeah. actually used it, then I probably don't have access to labeling that with something that lines up with how I'm feeling in that moment. So that crayon analogy that I've used yeah. with our staff for years, honestly, it originally was something that God spoke to me specifically mm -hmm. to say, stop shortchanging yourself and saying that you don't have what I've told you that you have. Sure. At some point, you gotta take it out of the box and you gotta start using it so that you can actually right. identify Come on. That's great. I think one of the other ways that you know something is wrong is if you're coping, you know, you find ways that you're coping, whether that's through alcohol or, uh, you know, abusing medication or um, even eating or uh, over, overly working or, you know, any kind of way that you're, you're trying to deal or manage what you feel or, or not feel. Um, but I think it's important with all of this to, to understand that I don't think, especially as, as believers, it's our job to go digging for things, you know. Um, the Holy Spirit is very, very good at revealing when it's time and what, what the so issue true. is. And I'll tell you something uh, that Jake and I both have kind of, uh, we've agreed to as we minister to people, um, you cannot force someone to be ready if they're not ready. And uh, you can't make someone go to counseling who's not who's not in that place yet. And you know, uh, people have to want to be well and they have to want to be helped. And uh, the reason it took me seven years is because the pain was not enough. You know, it's like it has to get to the point where it hurts bad enough that you're ready to deal with the thing that's that's hurting. And uh, you, you can't make yourself be where you're not yet. Yeah. So, um, uh, just you don't have to go digging, but when when something is starting to come to the surface and you're feeling like you're having to push it down, there, there's probably a, there's probably a, a problem there. Yeah, That's so good. Yeah, and it's really kind of God too to not like bring it all up at once, yes. right? Because there's so yes. many things and for sure. Um, that's so so good. And I would love to hear hear you guys speak to like. So everybody has maybe like. You'd hope a pastor in their life, you'd hope um, somebody that they can go to, but in specific seasons, maybe there's something that's for your pastor, there's something that you need to go to counseling yeah. for, there's something that you need to talk to your friend about, or maybe a parent, or also yeah. how can you kind of discern, especially the difference, I think, between pastors and counselors? That's a great question. It is a great question. So what I would say is a pastor's role biblically is to shepherd people. Uh, yes, to help them, and part of a pastor's job is to offer counsel, um, to offer spiritual insight yeah. and perspective yeah. to what is going on. A counselor has specific training dealing with trauma, dealing with emotional pain, dealing with stepping through a process to get to the roots of certain things. So my challenge would be, what if it's not either or? What if people need both? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, I have pastors in my life and I have counselors. My pastors are going to know me in a relational standpoint of my daily life. They're gonna be in my life with me. A counselor is more of someone when there are places that I'm getting stuck, when there's places that I feel like I need things spoken to from a slightly different angle or a different approach, that's when I'm gonna to go to a counselor and let them give me through their training and their insight and the discernment that God's given them uh, help and wisdom that I need. But Proverbs says many advisors make victory sure. Right. So yeah. it is a matter of discerning what do I need a pastor to speak into in my daily life and in my spiritual life. Um, and again, it's not like a pastor can't be practical with you and can't help you with emotional right. issues, but there is specific training with a counselor especially around things of trauma, disassociation, uh, different things that a counselor is going to have specific knowledge to right. help yes. a individual person based on their personality, their pains, be able to navigate forward toward a healthy place. Yeah. And that's that's sort of some of my story. You know, uh, I probably 
told friends here and there. I don't think that anyone who was near me at that time really knew what to do to help me, even my husband. And, you know, uh, sadly, we can make our spouse responsible. And, you know, we're not responsible for someone else's healing. That's God's job. We're responsible to listen and to maybe give direction. But for me, I went to Jake and he was like, hey, you know, I'll do anything. I'll watch the kids, like whatever you need, we can we can do. And uh, uh, I went to a couple who were sort of like uh, spiritual parents or grandparents at the time. They were pa- kind of pastors to me. And I spent, you know, a weekend at their home and they ministered around the clock to me. It was amazing. Um, and then, you know, you get a certain measure of healing. And then, you know, uh, a couple years later, I think I was ready to go further and, and I just knew like there was just more. And uh, I started to see a, a, a counselor uh, who was specifically, um, I went to go see a counselor who was uh, qualified more for like pastors and their wives, full-time pastors and their wives. So I, and that was a whole different type of counseling than I had gotten the first time. And it was different tools, if you will, um, that they're trained to be able to equip you with. And you know, once you have the tools in your belt, then you can kind of, mm. uh, you know, minister to or heal yourself over time. Um, and, uh, you know, and then throughout the years, I mean, gosh, I've, I've seen multiple different counselors. And uh, it's important too, when you do go to a counselor that you find the person that works with you, you know, fits with you. Um, and there's different styles and different methods. And, and it, all of this can seem a bit overwhelming, but I think it starts with tell someone who's trustworthy, tell someone who's a trusted friend or, or a trusted pastor. And then that person should be able to tell you, hey, I, this, is, this is something I think I can help you with. Or uh, many times if someone comes to meet with me and we get to a certain place where I feel this is where my qualification you know, kind of holds, it's like at that point, I'm gonna say, I think it might be time for you to reach out to someone who is a professional counselor who can give you better tools. You it's know? like the difference between like, oh, you kind of like burned yourself on the stove and like my arm is on yes, fire. Yes, <laughs> like how yes. you have to, thrill yes. to treat that. Yeah. What does So what does taking care of your own personal mental health look like when you're not in one of those my arm is on fire seasons? Right. Like how do you stay on top of and what have you learned about your own self and when, when it's not like some crisis? Sure. I think that's an interesting question because I think everyone is different and the way that we deal things is differently according to our personality. So for Jake and I, um, we both have come to understand that something's wrong if he goes way inward and isn't talking and isn't expressing and isn't, uh, you know, he just gets tucked in. Um, and that's, that's unique to his personality. My personality, there's something wrong. If I become explosive, if, I've, if I'm overly emotional, if I'm, uh, you know, a crying a lot or, or um, exaggerated, exaggerated emotions, um, any, either one of those is extreme, you know? And so we've given each other permission uh, just in our marriage to, to be able to speak into, hey, I think there, you seem to be going inward or hey, you seem really agitated or on edge. Like, you know, are you okay? Like, what's, is something going on? Um, so it, 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 it expresses through your personality is what I'm saying. Yes. I would say very practically to that, um, keeping yourself in a place of moving toward mental health with the understanding there's no finish line. Right. Uh, but it is a journey and I think life is about rhythm. 
So when your rhythms are off, you are going to be off. So for anyone who is trying to live the life that Jesus promised us, a life of wholeness, a life of fruitfulness, there are certain rhythms we have to step into if we're going to be healthy. There's a rhythm of rest. Uh, we are not designed. It goes back to what we were talking about right at the beginning. You can gain all the things this world has to offer you. If at the end of that, your wife doesn't like you, <laughs> right. your friends don't want to be around right. you because you're miserable, you're exhausted all the time, That's great. you're not thinking clearly about things, it's all about, I, I need more, I need more, I need more, more money, more things, more stuff, then I'll be satisfied is the lie that the enemy sells us, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is something to be said, why does God ask us to tithe? God doesn't ask us to tithe because he needs our money. God asks us to tithe as a protection of greed in our lives and to understand submission that having all the money in the world is not going to do it for you. I think God asks us to rest once a week yeah. at least, yeah. but a rhythm of rest and stepping into rest where we're not just going nonstop without taking a break. There has to be a healthy rhythm in that. If you don't ever let yourself rest, you will not be healthy. Mm -hmm. There are some days, and I'll definitely say this to young adults because <laughs> they probably struggle with it more than anything yeah. else. You should have a day where you don't do a whole lot every once in a while. It is okay. You're not missing out. There's uh, so much pressure yes, for them the, to be a part of everything. The social media are telling you that your real life is uh, not good enough, but you're comparing your real life to someone's yeah. highlight reel. Yeah. Uh, the other discipline that I practice in my life that I have to remind myself of, because I think as human beings, we are hardwired to see lack around us, lack in ourselves, lack in the people close to us, lack in material things. Yeah. And the only thing that I've ever found that kills that is practicing thankfulness. Okay, so as simple as it sounds, this is what it looks like for me and the Lord some days. When there's days where I'm just grumpy and I'm not in a good place, <laughs> I will literally get in the car and I'll start driving and I will feel the Lord be like, you're really frustrated right now because you're looking at the wrong things. What are you thankful for? Mm -hmm. Is the question that I will hear from the Spirit, very loving, very gentle. And sometimes I have to start getting really sarcastic with it. <laughs> and it's, God, I am thankful for coffee. I have a warm cup That's of coffee real. in my hand on a cold That's day, really That's pretty and great. that feels like the happiest thing in my life. And then sometimes it's like, God, this car that I'm driving right now, it's very old, but it works. <laughs> and I'm able to drive to work. Oh, that's right, God. Um, I have a job right now in the middle of a pandemic that I'm still getting a paycheck from. And I know people around me who don't have that. What a blessing in my life. Wow, I have a wife who's for me. And even when she calls me on my stuff and I don't like it, I got people who will help me get yeah. better and hold up a mirror, not because they're think that I'm not good enough, but because they see what's really inside of me. Man, I got two kids who love Jesus. They are amazing. They are amazing kids. I have a job that I wake up every single day that I feel purpose in, and I know that I'm fulfilling the calling that God's placed on. So you go down this journey, yeah, and I'm right. talking about big things. Sometimes it's little things. Yeah. It's like, God, I don't have to worry about how to pay my bills this month. Yeah. Wow. We. I get to buy my family Christmas presents and not everybody gets, I mean, mm. you, you could go down a list of yeah, all these things, sure. but I promise you on days where I feel God prompt me to do that, by the end of even five minutes, I'm usually got yeah. tears flowing down my face and it's like, hey God, you're so good to me. Yeah. I just gotta get my eyes off of all the things that I'm hardwired to see mm. lack on and make a choice to change my perspective. Right. So this discipline of rest, this discipline of thankfulness will, are the, the two main things that keep me, uh, 
mentally healthy. The other thing that I will say if, when it comes to rhythm is all the emotions that we feel, the things that we deal with, I, I tell people a lot, it's almost like you have this emotional motor inside of you as you're going throughout your days of all the things that are hitting you, all the stresses. Yep. And those emotions are a very physical thing. So as simple as it sounds, sometimes just going for a walk, working out on a regular basis, uh, being healthy physically, because we're not separated into, this is a physical part of me, and this is spiritual, and this is emotional. Right. We are intertwined. Right. So what happens in us in the physical is gonna affect the emotional and the spiritual. What happens in us spiritually is gonna affect the emotional and the physical. Right. So we have to understand that to be a whole healthy person the way that God has called us to is to step into healthy rhythms in every aspect of our lives. And the more that we do that, it's not that we're not going to get unhealthy from time to time. Sometimes life's just hard yeah. and it hits you out of nowhere and there's things that you can't control and can't expect. There's actually nothing you can control really. Right. But the truth is you're gonna deal with those things and deal with those stresses in a much healthier way if you are living your life out of healthy rhythms yeah, every rules. single day. That's so good. Yeah. Man, that is a absolute game changer for, for everybody watching, listening. I think, imagine like a group of young adults that are really locked in on rhythms of rest. Yeah, are you really. kidding me? What a rare <laughs> thing in this earth. Yeah. And, and cause that creates space and time for the presence of God right. to like hear from him, to like seek first his kingdom and, and, right. and all that comes with it. And I, I think that that's so good. And, and just to give us a final word, I'd love for you guys to speak to this because, um, so as Rally, we've been coming around this idea of, you know, the future is now. And it's mm -hmm. just this idea of, you know, don't wait. And there's something for today. And we're thinking about how it could feel kind of like Rally is this new thing, you know, these young adults and a part of New Spring Church, just a few years mm -hmm. old. But in reality, you know, Josh has been helping us remember and see, no, like New Spring started as a young adult ministry with you guys were in your early 20s in yeah. New Spring's meeting, yeah. like in these small spaces. And, and uh, so could you just speak like, what would you say to this generation as they continue to pioneer again and connect to, you know, your legacy and try to go further up and further into all that God has for us as a people and for this church. What would your heart be for that, both of you? Gosh, I think back to, you know, we were married at 21 and 22. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, week after that, we are on staff and, you know, New Spring gets started and uh, there's no money, so you're doing it volunteering and, you know, so many stressors, been, and it grew at such a rate that it's just, you can't keep up, you know. Um, and we grew up in ministry. Um, and, you know, you you learn by doing it. But I think um, looking back, if I could just like tell myself, uh, I think we should have had we should have had friends around us and not try to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. We were newly married now in ministry. We didn't know what we were doing. And <clears throat> I, I think uh, I, we didn't know how to be transparent. I don't think we knew we trusted yet uh, that we could be known to other people um, and let and let others do it with us. Um, so it's sort of an isolated thing. Um, so I would say like, press into your friends, especially if you're newly married. Um, don't do it alone. You know, find other couples that you can journey with. Um, and then, you know, if you start seeing signs of you need help or something's off, be quick to just tell someone, you know, don't wait, don't, don't wait. Uh, that's the thing I would say, don't wait, um, do it now. So good. Yeah. Um, the thing that I would say to anyone who's listening to this right now, as I think back on our life and I think about 
at this far. Hopefully, we got a lot more to go. Yeah. Uh, but in in our early years, we had no clue what God was calling us to do. Yeah. Um, we wanted to find it out. Um, I was scared to death that I was going to miss it. And so, what I would say to anyone listening right now is that God knows exactly what He's doing with your life. Oh. He cares about you hearing it way more than you want to hear it. Uh, God is playing chess while we play checkers oftentimes. Mm. The best thing that we can do is stay present and in the moment. Uh, stop separating your life into this sacred, secular divide That's of, great. well, when I'm doing ministry or when I'm at yes. church or yeah. when I'm at rally, those are sacred moments when we're singing worship songs. But man, when I'm working this nine to five job that I'm not sure that I like, or man, I'm having to wash the dishes and adulting's hard this week. <laughs> um, those moments are no less sacred because God's there. Amen. He's always there. Sorry. He hasn't gone anywhere. So God knows what he's doing with your life. He knows the plan and the purpose and how he's going to work that out. The best thing you can do is surround yourself with people who love Jesus and love you, yeah. and you be painfully transparent with them. Let yourself be known. Uh, stop trying to be impressive and impress all yeah. of the people around you. Uh, people aren't impressed with impressive. People are impressed with real. Yeah. And that's the thing that I found. The people that I spend my life with and I love are not on paper sometimes. I mean, we got some impressive people that work at New Spring and that come to New Spring Church and that we're friends with, but that's not what impresses me about them. What draws people to you and what is gonna draw you to other people is their level of authenticity and their actually being the real thing. And so I'll leave it with this. Um, People are not, even as, as people are stepping into this journey, as people are figuring out how to uh, have friends, but also be a friend and do this mental health journey as a team sport, people are not always gonna remember everything you say to them. They're not always gonna remember the advice and they're not looking for the Twitter-worthy phrase that came out of your mouth. Yep. What I know after 20 years of ministry is what people will remember, what I remember about encounters I've had with people is how I felt when I was in their presence. So Did I feel safe? Did I feel listened to? Did I feel cared for? Do I know that they actually saw me and they cared about who I was as an individual and I wasn't another task on their list uh, just to listen and then get me out the door? Uh, we all have a deep desire to be known and to step into authentic relationships. And so if that's the desire of your heart, go be that for somebody yeah. else. And you know, I think this generation, uh, things are talked about you know, openly. Uh, I think there was so much, even even 20 years ago, you know, so many people alongside of us were probably struggling in similar ways, but you didn't talk about it. Uh, the fact that we're having this conversation right now, you know, 20 years ago, I think there's a lot of people alongside of us who were probably struggling in the same way in their marriage or in their ministry or trying to figure out how to do life, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> but you didn't talk about it. And so um, I would just say, you know, this rally age now, like, Things are being talked about openly, um, and I think you, you guys are leading the way in that. And that is, that's not only encouraging, but that's inspiring. Um, yeah. Come on. Well, Suzanne, Jake, thank you guys so much for for being that safe space for me and for being the voice for us. Um, we need, you know, fathers and mothers like you in this church, and we're so grateful to have them. So thank you for your wisdom thank on you, this Austin. today. And thank you guys for, for tuning in. It's been an absolute privilege to have this conversation. We've got a lot more roundtables that are gonna be coming your way really, really soon. So make sure that you stay engaged in the conversation. We're having it on social media all the time. We wanna know what you wanna talk about. We wanna know what questions are going on. And ultimately, we're gonna seek after God.
and all these things and do this together and go on this journey, not alone, but as a family. We love you. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Peace. (laughs) Thank you for joining the Rally Podcast. We hope it encouraged you. We'd love for you to be part of the Rally family. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and YouTube at New Spring Rally so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you'd like to connect to a campus, text RALLY to 30303.